everybody. Welcome to episode five of Big Slumpin'. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm not your host, but your host is Scott Morgan. He's right here, and we got some stuff to talk about. Hey, everyone. How, how are you doing today, Josh? Doing well. And yourself? Doing really good, actually. I don't know. I had a good day yesterday. I'm just feeling good, and I'm excited to talk some sports with you. I want to start with NBA, because we were watching the finals yesterday a little bit. What do you think about this series so far? Lakers took a 3-1 series lead yesterday. Game five is on Friday. I think it's I think it's done. You were you said uh, Heat. I mean Lakers in five, I believe, last week. Yeah, I said and, five uh, or six. It, yeah, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna be right here. Uh, they needed the the Heat needed to win game four. They uh they did not win game four, and despite Jimmy Butler having an all time performance in game three, and he's the man. Everyone knows he's the man. Especially us who live in Chicago, we've known he's the man. It's 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 gonna come to an end, unfortunately. Yeah, like even though you say that I'm probably going to be right with my Lakers in five prediction, I don't want to be right. Like, it sucks. I want the Heat to win. I would love them to come back and win in game seven. I just think this Lakers team has played too well. Even when Jimmy had that unbelievable performance in game three, they, you know, it was still a close game. So I was a little worried about that. I mean, Bam was back yesterday and they still lost. Drogic was trying to get back on the court and he's not coming not, back. He's not. I don't think so. He really no wants to, and the fans really respect him trying to. and honestly trying to risk it all just to play but yeah I don't think he's coming back and I, I, I think this series is sadly going to be over pretty soon other than that during the game there were some pretty funny moments what do you think about the Mark Jackson quote if you want to share that with our listeners the Mark Jackson quote was the absolute highlight of the game after Tyler Harrow made a made a thing it was just a two and then he goes Mark Jackson goes the hero is more than just a sandwich and I was like I just started laughing my ass off. It's like, what, what the hell? I didn't even know Arrow was a sandwich. Like, why are we talking about sandwiches right now? <laughs> that That's definitely an all-time quote. I haven't been on social media much, so I haven't seen a lot of memes or anything. I don't know if you've seen a lot, but I'm sure yeah, there I, is. Wob, uh, Worldwide Wob, he tweeted about it. And then uh, there are people retweeting the the clip of him saying it with the audio. It, just, it was all over. It was really funny. It's, it's, it, was so, it was so stupid. It's hysterical. That, that was actually probably the funniest moment of this series so far. Other than that, I wanted to ask you, who would you rather watch an like commentate an NBA final or an NBA game in general? Would you rather have Mark Jackson or Chris Webber? Mark Jackson. I I don't know. I think they're both kind of rough to listen to because they just say some things without. Thinking. Yeah, they are. They are both rough, but at the time, I feel like Chris Webber doesn't even know understand the game of basketball. Where like at least Mark Jackson like comprehends how basketball works. That's true. Uh, is there any other NBA news that you've seen? I know Doc Rivers. I believe is. Maybe the lead candidate for the 76ers right now. Oh, he now. got the job. He, he got Did the he? job. Yeah, oh, I didn't even see he that. Got the job. Wow. Yeah. So how do you think that's going to work? Let's talk about that a little bit. It's, uh, it's not, it's not going to work no? with the way the roster is constructed. No, I don't think Embiid and Simmons can coexist. But you don't think like Rivers can do something to make that work? No. I don't know. I can see it working. I mean, I feel like they have a good roster already with what? Tobias Harris, Embiid, Simmons. They built some shooters around them too. I don't know. I can see them making a better run with uh, – a decent coach for once. We'll oh, have to see. We'll have to see. Is there uh, any other NBA news that I'm missing? I don't think so. I think that's it. I mean, the uh, Seattle Storm won the WNBA Finals, and yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. They went undefeated the entire postseason. It's their that's, fourth title, I believe, and they never lost. I know it's Sue, Sue Bird's fourth title since she joined the league in about, I think, 2004. So, I mean, unbelievable run for her. And that's crazy that they went undefeated all throughout the postseason. Congrats to them. Yeah. Uh, also, bring back, the, bring back the Supersonics. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, Josh is a big fan of Seattle Supersonics, if you couldn't tell from previous podcasts. So I don't have anything else for NBA. 
Well, maybe a little bit. I saw that this draft, I know we talked about the draft before. I'm seeing that there's maybe a lot of possible trades. I've seen talks about the the Bulls trading down from, I believe we're three or four. I think we're three, right? Four. No, they're we're four. four. You're right, we're four. I've seen us trading down from four with the Knicks to go to eight and us getting the eighth pick, another first-round pick, and, like, Kevin Knox. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be an exciting draft. I don't know when the draft's scheduled for, actually, so – We'll have I don't to think see they that. even know yet. I think they're still trying to figure it out. I think they're waiting for the end of uh, the postseason. So, yeah, other than that, let's move on to the MLB. I saw something earlier this week before we go to postseason talk. Trevor Bauer, Twitter, I mean, he's been tweeting about, you know, he's in Boston tweeting at the Red Sox. So, I don't know about that, where he might end up. He's obviously a free agent, and I think it's pretty likely he's not coming back to to the Reds. So what, what do you think about Trevor Bauer right now? Well, first, before we really go in on Trevor Bauer, I think we have to talk about how we talk about Trevor Bauer because Trevor Bauer is not the normal dude. He is like a professional troll. And while his intentions of getting, of getting the, uh, getting the league and major league baseball into more marketability and growing the game are good. Those are great. I love that. The way he goes about it and being rude to other players and being rude to fans and just going at fans is not Okay. And so while he's a very talented pitcher and works super hard, and there's a whole book about it called the, uh, the MVP machine by Ben Lindbergh, Trevor Sajak, highly recommend. Uh, he's not the normal dude and we should not act like he's normal. He's a very special, unique case and uh, we should treat him as such. With that said last, I think a few years ago, he said that when he becomes a free agent, he's only going to sign one year contracts through his entire career. He said he will never sign a multi multi-year deal. So if he still is true to that, Scott, who knows how he's still thinking he's Trevor Bauer. Every single team in Major League Baseball should be in on him because there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. So every single team in the league should be after him. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. He was, he was talking to Reds fans. I was saying he's willing to come back. He said he was in Boston for some reason. He's talking to Cubs fans saying he'd be interested in joining the rotation. It's, he's, just, he's just doing his old Trevor Bauer Twitter thing. and who, who, He's going to go where he's going to go, and that's really how it works. There's no way of predicting him. Yeah, I, I can't imagine him signing one-year contracts for the rest of his, his career. That's just not a very uh, secure job decision. Uh, you're not getting a long contract with a high well, if he stays salary. if he stays healthy, it's a great that's the, way of maximizing your profits. If he, if he stays healthy and never gets hurt, he's going to get gonna paid more than get, a long-year yeah. contract will. But that's, that's the risk. Like with pitchers, especially in someone of his caliber, if you, you know, need Tommy John or you hurt yourself in some way, you might have to sign a lesser – uh, salary and then prove yourself that year I, I I think he will look for a long-term contract if it's not this year maybe after the one year he signs this year so we'll have to see with that I know he he was pretty upset with the Reds holding Votto at third in their series last week they scored no runs in two games which is almost as bad as the Cubs or it's worse than the Cubs but we aren't good by any measures there I also see maybe him joining Clevenger in San Diego could be a cool option. But, yeah, we'll have to see on that. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Epstein and the Cubs and what's happening with that? Yeah, so it's pretty much confirmed now. He's gonna, he has one year left on his deal, and he's going to stay there for the 2021 season. I don't agree with it. It doesn't make any sense to me that you have a guy who's pretty much a lame duck and confirmed he's going to leave after one year in charge of all these important decisions of non-tendering and who to trade and stuff. That seems just like a bad decision to me. But it's a decision the Cubs has seemed to made, and uh, – it's uh, it's weird. It's weird. I would definitely bring his replacement in now instead of just having him make decisions for stuff. He's not going to be there to either reap the rewards or, or take in the consequences of whatever decisions he makes. So it's just, it's weird. Yeah. And he spoke before about like stepping away after a decade of 
time with the club. So yeah, he says he's... his introductory press conference in 2012 that 10 years is the most he's willing to stay at a certain place, and so 2021 is his last year on the contract, and yeah. he will be leaving. I mean, do you think he's just staying this last year to help transition to the next GM? Or That's what Ricketts said he's doing, but that doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. He's probably just going to be Jed Hoyer, who's already already the GM, so... So why do you think why do you think not like transitioning for years just does not make sense to you? Can like you I said, there's that? like there's no consequences to his actions right now. Like he can make a bad move and he won't be here in Chicago next year to like have any consequences to that. He can make a good move and they win the World Series and he still won't have any good they won't get a ring, he won't get anything from it. So just like I don't know what he's doing, I don't know what his goals are. Ricketts said that his goals are just to make sure the Cubs are in a long term health, but like who knows if that's true? Like they they all say a bunch of shit. His end of, his end of season press conference was another load of shit for the test for a third year in a row. It was just not good. Not good in Cubs. What, what, what was his press conference? I didn't see it. It was just like the same shit you spewed the past three years about holding the offense accountable and they have to make changes. He said that for three years now, nothing has ever happened. So it's we the have, same shit over and over again. We have suffered every postseason because we can't get enough runs for the past three years. So saying that and how we're going to change that, it hasn't changed. So that really bothers me. I know it definitely bothers you. You want him out. Is there any GM or that you would like potentially want to replace him that you can think of right now? Not any general manager, but back before 2016, maybe it was hard away in 2017. There was a guy named Jason Parks. He used to be a writer for baseball perspectives. He was a really interesting dude. The Cubs hired him as a scout. When they hired him, their, their farm system skyrocketed up the rankings. And then he was hired away to be a, a lead scout, I believe for the Diamondbacks and their farm system rocked up the rankings. So I want that dude back. I want that dude back and I want him back so bad. So the Cubs would hire him in GM job or something higher in the organization. I would absolutely adore having Jason Parks back. All right. Let's go on to some of the postseason play I've seen. So I saw the Braves beat the Marlins yesterday. Acuna, Acuna and uh, Alcantara had a little bit of beef. Did you see that? Yeah, the Marlins are a bunch of babies. And, like, they keep hitting him because he keeps hitting home runs. It's ridiculous. It happened last year, I believe, with Urania after Acuna went yard off him. And he didn't like that, so he hit him. It's like – if you don't like being pimped off, don't give up a home run. And if you give a home run, there's no – it's like – it's assault. It's, a, it's straight up assault to chuck a rock 100 miles an hour at somebody intentionally. It's just assault. So stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop. Fuck the Marlins. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, he homered. And then Alcantara said he accidentally hit him next at bat. But obviously, Acuna took exception probably because of the stuff that happened last year. Uh, Braves are up 1-0 in the series. They play in about 11 minutes. I don't know if you're going to have that game on in the background. But, yeah, we'll have to see if they, they win game, game two and take a strong lead. A team that does have a 2-0 series lead right now, unfortunately, is the Astros over the Athletics. What, are you, what do you think about that series? Absolutely fuck the Astros. They finished season under 500, and some of them made the playoffs because Rob Manfred made this bullshit, ridiculous-ass postseason format. I'm going to read a tweet. I'm going to read a tweet from uh, Andy Martino, who covers the Yankees, Mets, and MLB for uh, SNY at the Yankees Network. Uh, so he's writing a book about the Astros, so he's well in tune with them right now. And so he said, Astros players are telling people behind scenes they're focused, mad, and very into the idea of avenging themselves against, this, against what they consider haters. Like, say, the A's, Yankees, Rays, and Dodgers. will be good theater. People who know these guys think they can run the table. They are the fucking villains, Scott. They're the villains. They fucking cheated. They don't get to avenge themselves against the haters. They deserve all the hate. They fucking cheated. Okay? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I hate them so much. I hate them so much. I mean, they're up 2-0 right now, but I agree with that statement. Like, 
how are they talking about having haters when they're the reasons they have haters? It, I, and I'm not saying like that in like a bad way. Like every, a lot of people, teams are doubted and they're like, oh, people are, you know, underrating us and th- they hate on us. This is not, this is so different. You are, you were caught cheating. They hard, I don't even know if they apologized. I think the only player that really apologized for it was, who's the player on the, Jake Marisnik, right? The Mets uh, yes. player. He was the best player about it, and he's not even with the organization anymore, and he felt terrible. But, yeah, I didn't think the MLB did enough for it. Side note, I love Jake Marisnik. He was my favorite Astro when he was on the team. I've been into that guy since he was in the minors of the Blue Jays. Love Jake Marisnik. Fuck all the Astros. Let's go back to the series. Oh, they got a 2-0 lead over the A's. Uh, what, do you, what do you think this series is going to be? Do you think it's over? Do you think the A's it's can, over. can bounce back? It's over. Karma, they're going to – going to make the fucking World Series because – this is all bullshit, and 2020 is the worst year of all time. But if they make the World Series and so the Dodgers and the Dodgers just absolutely steamroll them, I'm cool. I worry that if it is a Dodgers uh, Astros World Series, that Dodgers might. I don't. This team is very good. Don't get me wrong. We talk about this Dodgers team. They should win the World Series. But I worry that if they play the Astros again, something crazy is going to happen. They're going to choke, and the Astros win, and then the world just burns. Like, I am so scared of that scenario. I don't want them in. I don't want the Astros in the World Series. I don't either, but I bet they're going to – this year's bullshit. Do you not think the Rays or the Yankees could beat them? Oh, absolutely. I think the Rays and Yankees are the two best teams in the AL. Ethan would want to be able to hand it right to the A's and shove it right up their ass, but the A's should should be able to do that too. And the Twins should be able to do that too. So – Again, the Astros finished the season under 500. They are not a good team. Well, we'll have to see how far they go. We'll talk next week, and hopefully they're not in good position as they are right now. So, yeah, let's talk about Rays-Yankees a little bit. Uh, Rays tied the series last night, 7-5 victory over the Yankees in Game 2. So it's a 1-1 series. This is a, seems like a really good series to me so far. Do you think this will be the best divisional round series in baseball? Yes, yes. Those teams are both stacked. And it's just fun to watch. It's fun. I'm rooting for the Rays for sure. But, uh, yeah, both teams are stacked. Do you think the Rays are favored? Yes, because they're the number one seed. <laughs> I mean, not just because of that, but do you, do you think they're – yeah. I didn't think you predicted them to go to the World Series, right? I did, I believe. No, I, did. did I? I did. I think I did. I think you were Rays, yeah, because they are number one. Who's pitching, do you think, in game three for that? I don't know who it is. Uh, it's probably Morden. It's Morden versus uh, – let me look. Well, I mean, if it's Morton, I, I feel like they got a good chance to win, especially because Garrett Cole already pitched. Morton. So. Morton versus Tanaka. I didn't know it. No. Yeah, I think I think Morton will take that one. I was thinking well, Tanaka, Tanaka, but I, I wasn't sure. Both uh, those guys are, are nails in the playoffs, so it should be another good game. Yeah, and then Nick Anderson, you said, and we, you watched, actually, he pitched really well last. To the, the highest leverage situation of the game. It was, bottom of, it was top of the seventh. They were up three, I believe, and they had guys on first and second, no out. Nick Anderson comes out, strikes out, strikes, <laughs> strikes out LeMahieu, strikes out Judge, strikes out Sanchez. Sick. He's filthy. He's gross. Gross. Yeah, I, all I all those Rays guys still 98. It's <laughs> on the paint. It's, it's, not, it's not fair. I think he's underrated. He should be a household name. And I feel like a lot of people don't know Nick Anderson, but he is an absolute stud out of the bullpen. He's been great for the Rays for, I believe, the past two to three years. So, yeah, good for them. Let's see how they do in game three. Who takes the lead? Moving on. Dodgers took game one over the Padres. They won 5-1. to one. Clevenger went out in the second inning. He had a velocity drop that was concerning to Jace Tingler. It was His slider's usually about, I think, 82-84, and it, it went to 77. So they were a little concerned. He was already kind of dealing with injury problems. What do you think about that series as it starts off Dodgers 
It's it's over now. It's over now. <laughs> Clevenger's gonna be out the rest of the playoffs. He said it felt like his elbow was like hitting his bone. It was some uncomfortable thing. It's hard to think about. And uh, yeah, his velocity dropped hard. And it, good on him for trying to pitch injured. That's a good team effort there. But uh, yeah, if they, they don't have, if they don't have they're not gonna have Lumet. Not gonna have Clevenger. They're gonna rely on Zach Davies in a bullpen games to to get through this and a bad Chris Paddock. Like yeah. it's not it's not gonna work against Dodgers and it sucks. I really want the dads to win. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be good for so long. But I don't think this is the year of these injuries. It really sucks because at the start of the line, they could have done it. They could have done it, but the injuries got in the way. I mean, yeah, Chris Paddock's been having a down year. Uh, for them to have any chance in this series, which I think is very tough, anyways, Tatis and Machado need to bat out of their minds, which they're capable of. But I mean, this Dodgers team has great pitching staff. They're a good offensive team, and then their bullpen was lights out yesterday. Uh, Walker Brillo gave up one run. And then they went scoreless after that with like eight strikeouts in the last five innings with the bullpen. So they looked really solid. Dustin May, I, I watched a little bit of him. He is absolutely filthy out of the bullpen. Uh, just some of his pitches. Watch. Yeah, when he's on, he is just nasty. Other than that, I think Blake Trinan came in. He looked really good too. So yeah, Dodgers up 1-0. Something I noticed, I was watching the game. Jace Tingler got ejected while making a pitching change, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it was weird. I think I was watching the game and I didn't even understand what happened. Jace Tingler didn't even know he was thrown out. And like, he was yeah. like, what the hell is going on? It was very, very weird. Like, I don't like, know how you do that as an ump. It's whatever. He like yelled the ump or something about something, then goes to the, do the pitching change. After he got, I don't, I was so confused. Really weird scene there. Uh, yeah. Any other news on playoff baseball so far, Josh? Uh, no, nothing else on playoff baseball. Okay. Uh, then outside of playoff baseball, Sam Dyson, you, you brought this up to me. Do you want to talk on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think back in February, this news broke that uh, Sam Dyson did some domestic violence things against his former girlfriend. This, Ken Rosenthal wrote for The Athletic yesterday about what that detailed and why I don't feel I need to go into it, the details. I just want to briefly say that if you put your hands on a woman, you should automatically lose the right to play your sport. I don't care about second chances. I don't care about that. If you put your hands on a woman, get the fuck out of the sports. You don't deserve that privilege. And that's, uh, that's that. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually add a little to that. I think it goes both ways. If you put your hands on your partner, your significant other, in any way that's violent, abusive, whatever. I mean, Hope Solo did it years ago and she got suspended. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Whenever you do something like this, you shouldn't be in the league. You're not, you're not a good person. They're, like, if it's alleged, I don't know. But once it comes out, it's confirmed. Like, I don't think this guy should be on a out on a roster. So, yeah. Any more thoughts on that? Playing or? a sport, playing a sport for your job is an absolute privilege, and you that that should be be able to be taken away from you at any moment when you do something like this. I don't care about second chances. Like these guys should not be playing sports and making this amount of money for doing what they did. They shouldn't be rewarded. I, I yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you spoke well on it, and it's. I think sports should be treated like any other profession. Something happened anywhere and that's on your record, you're not getting hired. Or your your job like profile and things you can do for work are going to be a lot worse than pro athlete or whatever you have. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, so we have our first guest in podcast history coming up to talk about football. His name is Trevor. He is a dear friend of both of ours, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy hearing from him. He's a very goofy, big dude. So uh, we got him in here. All right. Welcome, everyone. Our, our good friend, as Josh already said, Trevor is here. Trevor is a grad student in Iowa State right now, so thank you for joining us and taking time out of your day. No worries. I mean, you know, as a grad student, I'm, I'm pretty busy over here. I... <laughs> so, 
But right. I got time to talk about football any anytime. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into it. So Thursday night football matchup, we had Broncos Jets. Just a terrible matchup, honestly. The game was really entertaining, I thought, just like fun to watch, but it's just two not very good teams. Do you have any takeaways from that game? Yeah, he said uh, two just not very good teams. They're kind of bottom of the, each of their respective divisions. But I will say one thing. We got a Flacco sighting, and it's always great to see Joe Flacco play some football. It, although it, it was only a couple snaps, I think him showing he could still get out there proves that he's still elite. But in all seriousness, um, hey, wait, 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 can we, we backtrack? Joe Flacco, elite quarterback, elite backup quarterback right now. I would say. I mean, he he came in and and uh, did his job for I think two snaps. So he had he he went two for two for sixteen yards. That's elite so to me. Pretty that pretty elite efficient to me. passing. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think he handed it off maybe a couple times, but I think Sam Darnold's smart enough and he's like, you know what, this is a game I can actually get some good stats against, so let me get back out there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was just, it was rough. I think the Jets are the worst team in football. I think they can maybe go 0-16 this year. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think unless a serious change is made, I just don't see this team having the talent to win a lot of games if any like you said and I really do think Adam Gase is uh gonna get fired this year and I originally thought he was gonna be the first coach fired this year yeah we'll we'll talk about that a little later I, I wrote yeah. that down I I just this team is rough to watch I feel bad for the Jets I think if they maybe play Washington football team that could be a fun one to watch maybe they can pull that out but it, it was bad I think Fangio's not a great coach for Denver either I mean Brett Ripon, he took several hits at the end of the game because they wouldn't knee it or run it. They were running plays, and he was just getting, like, hit in the head play after play, and I'm just watching, like, what are you doing, Fangio? So then he just ran off the field, didn't shake hands or anything. So that was was fun to watch because you're two 0-3 teams that aren't very good, and you're getting pissy about that. So that was an interesting matchup. Other than that, on Sunday, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I thought, had a good – Good bounce back week after losing to the Chiefs last week. They won 31 to 17 versus Washington. Yeah, what do you think about that game? Like you said, a good bounce back for the Ravens offense, which really did not show up against the Chiefs, which I think, I mean, no, that's no harsh against the Ravens, of course. I mean, they, they, the Chiefs are probably one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, they're in contention for the best and repeat Super Bowl champions. So, uh, but yeah, good bounce back week for Lamar Jackson. I, I he personally had a great game. I think their running game was the one maybe weak point um, from this part. But that Washington D line is definitely capable of stopping run games, so I wasn't too surprised there. But yeah, good good game for Lamar Jackson. One of those games that didn't really pay too much attention to, but you expect the Ravens to win, and they did, and convincing fashion. Yeah, I mean they they won by two touchdowns. I think Chase Young was out all game, so that. That probably helped their run game a little bit. Mark Andrews, I thought, had he had a pair of receiving touchdowns, which I thought helped him. Cause I think he had a couple drops against the Chiefs, which weren't great. But yep. like you said, I mean, they weren't expected to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are maybe number one team in football or a contender for the Super Bowl, like you said. And, yeah, I thought the more interesting note is after this game, I think maybe yet, I think today, actually, Haskins is now being benched for Kyle Allen. Uh, Haskins went in – the game on Sunday, he went 32 of 45 through 314 yards, had no touchdowns, no interceptions, but did okay. Yeah, what do you think about Kyle Allen being named the starter for week week five? Honestly, I'm glad that the name they said was Kyle Allen and not Alex Smith. I think 
that I, honestly, I don't think the Washington football team or any of their fans really expect them to win a lot this year. So they're trying out different things, trying out Haskins. I guess maybe they're not seeing what they like from him. So I, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess for me, it's kind of weird that you'd, you have this this young quarterback that you could still give good reps to, but, and, but then you go with Kyle Allen. You know, hope it works out for them. But, yeah, Kyle Allen, I mean, I don't I don't think they're necessarily going to get better based off of this move, but I think they're just not happy maybe with what they're seeing from Haskins and maybe some time on the bench uh, could get, you know, maybe some fire under him or get them to do what they want to start seeing from him. So <laughs> those yeah, are my thoughts. I, I think I was kind of shocked with the – with one thing, the benching, and also not even that, that it's not like they're just putting Kyle Allen over Haskins. They're doing Kyle Allen, Alex Smith is the backup, and then Dwayne Haskins is now the third on the depth chart. So I was a little shocked that they dropped him all that, you know, all the way down the list. But I think with this Washington offense, their O-line gets a lot of pressure, and then he has Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson is actually stepping up a little bit, but they don't have much he didn't have that many weapons. It's it's just a tough scenario for him overall. So yeah, any other thoughts on that that team? Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think this team's this team's situation is comparable to the to the Jets. Honestly, I, I think their coaching situation is a little better. I have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera and what, especially what he's going through this year. You know, hope hope for the best for the guy, and I respect him as a coach, disregarding all that extra you know, life stuff that's going on for him. But, mm-hmm. and I also think that they have a little more young talent. Like you said, they got Dwayne Haskins, they got Terry McLaurin, you know, they got some good products, prospects that uh, gives them their running back. Who's also pretty young, but I mean, yeah, I don't expect them to win a lot this year. And I don't think that Kyle Allen being the starter is necessarily going to change a lot for that team. Do you think they might eventually put Alex Smith on the, on the field? I, I mean, I, I, I'm happy for the guy and I, I really do hope he's okay and he's good enough to play, but I just, I don't see him. I don't, I, I would not be confident in, in, in him playing this year, you know, seeing social media videos or hearing reports of how he was coming back uh, from that horrific injury that, you know, it's just one of the worst injuries you, you'll ever see watching football. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I hope he doesn't, but I mean, if he does, I hope he's healthy enough to do it. Cause I, I do like watching him play football and yeah. Why is he on the roster if he can't play? It's the Washington football team. Oh, so okay. I, I was thinking about it when I saw that injury and he's been rehabbing for, I think a year now, at least it's just, if there's any team, like if I was a GM or manager, I'd be so scared about putting him back out and something happening again to his leg or something. So if any team was to give him a chance, I'm not surprised it's the Washington football team. I think he's good to go. I'm sure he's been practicing and playing and has done all the right steps, but yeah, I, I would just be nervous about putting him out myself. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move on to the Bears, Josh. So they dropped their first game of the year, nineteen to eleven versus the Colts. What do you think about Nick Foles and his first start as the Bears starting quarterback? I mean, when you're going against Philip Rivers and and his gang of children, I think you're going to lose every time. You, you got to think of the chemistry. Every got all of his sons and daughters just on the field with him together. You can't you can't beat that. What well, what are your thoughts, Trev? This, I watched this game, and uh, it was, it, you know, I, I think this past weekend everybody kind of said it. You saw it on social media that the afternoon set was not a great one. A lot of, I'd say, boring football. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I still appreciate all types of football. So when they say boring football, means usually means lots of defense, and that's mm-hmm. what this game was. You know, great defense from both sides and not so great quarterback play. I'd say from both sides, I love Philip Rivers. He, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. And Nick Foles is obviously, 
you know, he's, he's proven to be that guy, but I don't think he had a great showing today, but it was against a tough Colts defense as was rivers outing against a tough bears defense as they always are. But yeah, I think it was kind of some ugly football on the offensive side, some good defense, but in the end Colts, they, they scored those points. They got the field goals. They got the early touchdown, uh, you know, I think it was just it, at the end of the game in that fourth quarter drive, it was it was too much for the Bears to come back from. Yeah, I think the Bears could not really run the ball this week. Uh, Foles, I thought, looked okay, but obviously it's his first start, so he still got he got to get himself a little bit acclimated with the offense. I mean, he he was really hot off the bench against Atlanta, but Atlanta's defense is very different than this Colts defense, who I think is pretty underrated to be honest. No one really talks about how good they are. So yeah, Colts moved to uh, I believe three and one, and Bears go down to three and one. So. I thought it was, like you said, kind of a boring game, not a lot of scoring, but it was a lot of defense, which was cool. And, yeah, for the Bears previewing next week, we play on Thursday Night Football against Tampa Bay, which is a rematch of Nick Foles and Tom Brady's from from the Super Bowl days. So what do you guys think about that game? Tom Brady's old. Roger Kelsey's old. Go Bears. That's, that's what I think. Trevor? I, I want to see, see how Tom Brady attacks this Bears defense. I think Bears have some good man corners, and obviously that defensive line is – as scary as it gets in the NFL. So they're not really going to be able to run the ball. I don't think Tampa Bay is going to have a lot of success on the ground. And I think if, you know, I think if Tom Brady plays, you know, like Tom Brady, I I think, I really think Tampa Bay comes out with a win there because of the defense they got and Tom Brady's just that guy. But, you know, he's kind of at this point now where he'll have some of those throws like the pick six this past weekend. And you, you kind of think maybe he's showing some signs of age. And I think if the bears get some good turnover luck here and, get some vintage Nick Foles. I, I mean, I, I think the Bears definitely have the talent to match up to this Tampa Bay team, but I think the favorite would be the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I think I'm a Bears fan, as most listeners know by now, but I, I definitely think the Tampa has the edge here. I think our defense is not as good as it has been in years past. I feel like we've let a lot of points to a lot of offenses should not have got as much as they should on us. I just feel like we haven't looked as good. So I think Tom Brady will kind of maybe drop 30, maybe even 40 on us, which is embarrassing. So I think it's a good test for the Bears right now. You know, we're 3-1. and one. Let's see. It, like, this is a good test to see how good can our season be. If we can come out, hold Tom Brady, and then get our offense going, we could win this game. But, I mean, that's a, that's a tall task to ask the, the Bears to do. So we'll have to see. I think it's going to be a good Thursday night matchup. Can't really be worse than Broncos-Jets. So, yeah, I think we'll, it, it should be a good one. Moving on, Cleveland Browns, they moved to 3-1 and one and beat the Cowboys 49-38. to 38. OBJ had a huge game. He had two receiving touchdowns, one 50-yard rushing touchdown, so just big game from him. What do you guys think about that game? I mean, let me just say this. I know the uh, Browns won this game, and th- you know they should be who we're talking about and giving the respect to, but I think the Cowboys have proven, at, least, at the very least, that they are must-watch football every weekend because – you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, last week against Seattle, the another shootout against the Falcons, the comeback. It just their offense is so exciting to watch, and the fact that their defense always puts them in these positions for their offense to have to climb back into the game somehow. I, I think Cowboys are must-watch football at this point. I think I think Dak Prescott. Yeah, he's getting what you could call garbage time stats, maybe, but I think a lot of that also is him just being maybe elevating his game. I mean. He's on pace for what, like six thousand passing yards. The dude, I, I think he's 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 more than proven so far that he's a quality quarterback in this league. But going back to the Browns, I mean, three and one. I don't think anybody really expected them to be 
in this position right now just because we've learned to temper our expectations with this this Browns team. But I think the new coaching's definitely helped them out. I think OBJ finally, you know, cracking the end zone a couple no, three times, three times, right? I think that really helped them. I mean, 49 points, it, you know, that was a great effort from the Browns offense and against uh, a good Cowboys offense. I mean, letting up 38 points isn't great, but again, I think you, you kind of, you're going against uh, a fighter in that Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott's having a career year right now. So that's not the worst thing in the world. And and, and it, they ended up winning the game. So I think Browns three and one, I, I think they got a, they got a good role going right now. Yeah. And then on the other side, like you said, Dallas has dropped now to one and three. I think Dallas could potentially be the worst defense in the league. I mean, they just are letting up so many points. And you could say, like, garbage time points and touchdowns for Dak, but he's not like he, – it's not like he's up by touchdowns and he's throwing it just for fun. Like, he, he needs to throw. He, he can't run. He can't run out the clock. And he's been productive. He's not getting a lot of interceptions during the garbage time. I think, right, yeah, right now he's averaging 422.5 passing yards per game which is just absurd, but their defense is allowing 36.5 points a game. So that's not great on them. Is Dak just proving that his contract should be extended at this point? I, you know, I've never been a big fan of Dak. I'll admit it. You know, I, I, I like to hate, hate on the Cowboys a lot, but I think, I mean, looking at his career and what he's, especially what he's done this year, I, I think he's shown nothing but positive growth and, you know, you look at those Cowboys teams where we always talk about how they, they're not clutch or they lose in the playoffs. They, they make these horrible mistakes. They go 8-8, eight 7-9, eight, whatever. You know, they, they have those flaws, and I don't think those flaws have ever been Dak Prescott. And I, he is, I mean, especially after the, these first four games, even though they're 1-3, Dak has shown he's a guy that's worthy of a top QB contract in the NFL. And, I mean, honestly, with the way he's playing this year, if Dallas wants to keep him, they might have to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks, if not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I, I think he's, he's really shown out against some, some good teams, you know, and when he's, we speak he's really of them being, uh, being one and three, I, I think they'd be zero and four without Dak, especially with that game against the Falcons where they came back and actually won the game. Absolutely. Without him and they're zero and four and we're not even talking about them, how we are right now. An interesting side note, I think Josh, you'll enjoy this. So Jarvis threw a touchdown to OBJ, and when he throws a football, he throws it lefty. But when he throws baseball, like he did a first pitch, he throws it righty. I don't get it. And, like, both were good throws. It's just – I thought that was an interesting fact that I wanted to share with you guys. What, what do you think about Jarvis and his throwing mechanics, I guess? This might shock you, Scott, but I knew that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that. And I think it's just really weird. Like, I, I don't understand how that, like, the brain functions those two different tasks and different arms. It doesn't make sense to me. But like, uh, I, I can comprehend, cool. like, you know, in baseball, throwing one hand, hitting another way. But I can't imagine throwing two different balls with a preferred different primary hand. I don't know. I just found that funny. A little baffling. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Russell Wilson, he stayed hot this week. He led the Seahawks to a 31-23 to win over Minnesota. Uh, what do you guys think about that game and Russ so far this year? Uh, I mean, just again, I think Russ showing himself, he, he wants that MVP. I, he, I, you know, he also wants, to, I think at the core he wants to win, but I mean, he's, it's, it's Russ Cook season. It's Ru- Russell Wilson MVP train season. He's, he's showing out every week. Uh, he had his first interception against uh, the Dolphins, which you don't want to see him throw that at pick 
especially in the red zone like he did because, I mean, the, their offense has been so great in the red zone. But I think that's, you know, a fluke and against a, a Miami team that I think has proven frisky. I mean, they're, I, don't, I don't think anyone would confuse them for a good team, but they're going to put up a fight every week. So I don't think that's anything to worry about. And his MVP campaign continues to go. And, and the dude's just insane. I mean, he, he, he's definitely, you know, must-watch football when we talk about that Russell Wilson uh, playing quarterback, you, you got to watch this guy play because I mean the dude's a monster. He's he's working for that MVP award, and you know he might end up in the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know if that defense can learn to pick up some slack. Also, I want to do a quick little correction. Sorry, Trevor. Uh, I said against Minnesota. He plays Minnesota next week. This was against Miami, as Trevor has stated. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think I think Russ is the front runner right now. I want to talk a little bit. Who do you have as like maybe two or three? Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, I'd say my number one right now is Russ, Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, the dude's showing up every week. I've watched him play a lot of football this year, and he's got the stats, and he, he's shown he can be clutch late in the games. At, uh, I'd say two and three. I think you gotta you got to put um, my guy, my man, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers offense, back on track this year. He's having a phenomenal year. And I think three, you could you could argue Patrick Mahomes, but – how about Josh Allen and the year he's having? I mean, I think he, he's got like maybe one interception and that was against the Rams and it was not an interception in any sense <laughs> of the word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. the dudes, I, every time I look at his stats, he's got like 400 yards, four touchdowns, like averaging, I, you know, he's probably not averaging that, but I, I feel like every time I look at this guy, that those are his stats. And I think the bills have a really good shot at winning the AFC East because of that guy, Josh Allen. And he's up there at two or three for the, MVP race right now that, that guy has been very impressive yeah I, I had Russ one I had Rogers and Allen kind of split it two or three and I think Allen's definitely not been talked about enough he moved the bills to four and oh this week a good win against the Raiders I, I think he's been fantastic like you said it seems like he's going 400 yards and three to four touchdowns every week he's 12 he's similar to I mean Russ has better numbers but he he also has 12 touchdowns and only one interception and he also has three rushing touchdowns. So he's been playing really well. But, yeah, I think I think everyone's kind of thinking, like, Russ is running away with it. But what Rodgers is doing with the Packers, which we'll talk about a little later, I think him and what Allen's doing with the Bills is what's making them talked about. Even Dak is a potential if he can make the Cowboys. If he can get into, like, 8-8, eight and eight, I could see him being in the conversation. But I don't, I don't know if that Yeah, they got to win. They got to win. That's the only reason <laughs> Dak's not in the convo right now. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, let's yep. continue. I agree. Another fun matchup I thought, and I'm sure you probably saw this too, considering you, you kind of like the Chargers as your number two team, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers versus Justin Herbert and the, the Chargers. I thought that was a great game. Brady had five passing touchdowns to beat Herbert in the Chargers 38-31. to 31. So what are your thoughts, Trevor? Yeah, like you said, ever since a Saturday night football game against the Broncos, when I watched the Chargers, I think it was like 2015 or something. But they've been kind of my number two team. I like I like this team's energy. I like how they fight in every game. And I was a big Phil Rivers fan. But uh, I think takeaways from this game, Chargers they they might have a quarterback in Justin Herbert, he, who's a guy I don't think a lot of people expected to be good. I think people watched him play Oregon and agreed that he was he was a winner there. But they, they agreed that he had some flaws in his decision making that maybe wasn't always great, and he maybe felt like too. Uh, he, he never really took too many risks and he didn't really show a lot of talent, but I mean, the guy he's throwing TDs to undrafted free agents. He had almost 300 yards against a good Buccaneers defense. He did have the one pick on a, you know, a, not a great throw, 
But again, I think it's a tough ask to when your first two career starts are against Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. I mean, <laughs> that, that's you know, true. the Chargers are at one and three, but I, I think I think they have some some bright they have a bright future ahead of them. Justin Herbert, and again, I think the Bucks really showed out uh, get, getting down early and then coming back like they did. Uh, Tom Brady's showing he's still Tom Brady and he's he's still dangerous. I mean, five touchdowns. The guy is a monster. They got a great offense when they're when Mike Evans and Brady are connecting like that. And if they can get Godwin back too, I mean, it, it, they they got a scary offense and a scary defense. But Chargers showed some fight and Brady's still Brady. And I like Herbert. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching Herbert against Kansas City, and I was excited to see him have an honestly even better performance this week, especially when he knew he was starting this week, unlike last week where he kind of was a last-minute call-up. So, yeah, he went, like you said, just under 300 yards. He went 20 for 25, which is fantastic. I think that's – yeah, that's 80% passing completion. Three touchdowns, one interception. He played well. As a Chargers fan or second – team is a charger fan i don't know what you claim yourself to be but i'm a fan of them <laughs> yeah I, I like them too i like i love philip river so that's why i always kind of like cheering for the charger a little bit do you yeah. think the chargers can go back to tyrod taylor <sighs> tyrod taylor I, I feel bad for the guy and i i honestly i mean from what i've heard from the coach it sounds like they almost have to but if I was, you know, if I was a true Chargers fan and they were my number one team and I cared about a lot of that more than I, you know, Chargers more than anything, which I mean, they don't seem to have too many of those these days um, in Los Angeles. But I would want Herbert to start for the rest of the year, you know, unless there's any worries of injury. I really think that Herbert's the guy you got to go with. I think he gives you the best chance of winning. You know, he is young and he's going to make mistakes, but I don't think Tyrod Taylor takes those risks that winning quarterbacks are going to need to take to win games. Tyra Taylor almost feels too safe and in the NFL you can't you, you really can't play like that and expect to win unless you have a very unique team usually good defense and good running game which Chargers do have both of those things but with Eckler going I think Eckler's out went out this yeah. game and you know the Chargers defense like you said I've been watching them for a few years now and they always seem to have bad injury luck so you got you can't really rely on those other parts of your team and I mean yeah I think you gotta go with Justin Herbert here I don't think you can go back to Taylor but I think they will I, I agree. Like, it's it's tough because I think they will go to Taylor, and you feel bad for him. Like, he's done nothing wrong. And to lose his spot this time, I mean, he's lost his position, obviously, the past couple times, too, for just unfortunate reasons. But to lose it not, like, with an off-the-field thing really sucks. But with how Herbert's playing, as a, like, I could not imagine them going back to uh, Tyrod. And, I mean, unless Herbert maybe has, like, a bad half and you're down by two or three scores, and you just want to throw Tyrod to see – a different like change of pace. I can see that. But personally, I think they should stick with Justin right now and just ride that until he has a bad game or something. But even then, let him try to bounce back. So I think they are going to go back, but we'll, we'll have to see. Moving on to another game that I thought was really interesting, Carolina Panthers beat the Arizona Cardinals. This is the second week the Cardinals lost in a row. They lost to the Lions last week, which was a real shocker to me. And I know me and Josh talked about that. But, yeah, they lost 31-21. to no Christian McCaffrey this game. What do you think about that game? A couple of things. I think Teddy Bridgewater shows he's a guy you can win. He's a guy you can put in there, and he's he's kind of better than your average quarterback that'll make the safe decisions. He won't really take a lot of risk, but I think Bridgewater, he's he's right at that point where he does what he needs to do to win, and I don't think he's necessarily shown he's a great quarterback, but I think he's good. I think the Panthers got a good thing going with him and 
Matt Rule, I mean, two and two, and they're not, I don't think they're last in their division, I think, which is where they were expected. It's no, a they're, good, they're tied it's a with the Saints. Division. They're tied with yeah. the Saints. It, yeah, again, they're playing in a good, no, the Falcons, of course. The Falcons are yeah. definitely last. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, the Panthers are showing they got some good fight against a Cardinals team that I think is better than people expected, but I don't think they're quite as good as some people are saying they are. I mean, the Cardinals, I think, are a good team. And Kyle, Kyler Murray, I watched that guy play at Oklahoma. He's he's dangerous. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen an athlete quite like him at quarterback, just with how fast and speedy and athletic he is. I mean, obviously, I think the comp is Lamar Jackson, but I think, I, I don't know, Kyler Murray, he, he's, he's, he's scary when he's on the other team. So I think they beat a good team. As far as the Cardinals go, where's Kenyon Drake? Where's this man? He, Didn't he, get, he gets he a ton hurt, of carries. Right? I think I Edmonds is stepping up. Is he? Okay, well, I would say, up. like, based on his last four weeks, though, he, he did play in this game. I think he got, like, 12, 13 carries. But in the past weeks, he's been getting closer to 20. And this, I, I think this, this trade's kind of – he had a good end of last year, but I think their running game needs to step up because I haven't seen a whole lot from – uh, their running backs and Kenyon Drake's kind of that guy that they traded for. They expected a lot out of him. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of surprising to see he's not really producing. So, but again, Kyler Murray being a mobile quarterback, like he is, is certainly helping in that run game. But I think one of those reasons they uh, lost against the Panthers this past weekend is their running game really didn't show up. And like I said, I, Teddy Bridgewater, he, he he's a winning quarterback and he did what he needed to do to win. And they played a good game. Yeah, I definitely think Teddy gets labeled a lot of times as, like, the perfectly average quarterback where he just does everything average. Like, you know, he's not going to have a great game. But I thought he he managed the game well. He led this team. He threw to Robbie Anderson and uh, DJ Moore, had good games. So, yeah, I thought it was a good game for the, the Panthers, good for Matt Rule. And, yeah, I, I do agree. I think the Cardinals run game, Kenyon Drake, is expected to be a big role there as well as a pass catching back, and we just haven't seen that recently. So we'll see if he bounces back. But, yeah, thanks for sharing about that. Uh, we talked about the Bills a little bit earlier, how now they're 4-0 and they beat the Raiders 30-23. to Are the Bills underrated? Like, I feel like no one talks about them. The Bills, yeah, this is tough because, I mean, you know, I this past week, right, they, they beat a Raiders team that I think is a little feisty, like kind of like Miami, except I think they have a little more talent. They're a little better than Miami. So they end up winning some games, but I think the bills they're going out there. They're beating good teams. Uh, I think that game against the Rams was a big, big moment for Josh Allen, kind of his show out like, Hey, we can, we can beat teams that we know are well coached and they're good teams. And they, they just go out and ball. I, I mean, that that trade for Stefan Diggs, you can see how much that impacted their offense. I mean, Josh Allen's throwing the ball all over the field. He's, he's getting touchdowns everywhere. I agree. The Bills, I think, are underrated. I don't think enough people are talking about them, and that's going to that's gonna kill some teams later this year if, you know, because, I mean, it's the Bills. I mean, they've, they've never really shown this, uh, at least on offense, and I, I, I really think they got a good chance of winning the AFC East, especially with Cam Newton missing some time. I think the Patriots are the other team you got to watch out for in that division. But, yeah, I mean, with Brady gone – I mean, there's a spot wide open at the top of that division, and I think the Bills are taking this, taking that, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy. I mean, they're extremely, I think, underrated, but I think that'll change in the coming weeks. They're going to yeah, play some I'm, good teams, get some good wins. I'm really excited to watch more Josh Allen, more Bills football. Sad we don't see Bills Mafia this season. I'm sure they'd be having a blast right now. 
but I'm sure they're still breaking tables at home. Absolutely. Sunday. Let's, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's move on a little bit to Sunday night football. So it's 49ers Eagles. Nick Mullins got the start. Beathard came in a little bit later. Kittle had a great return, 15 receptions, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Eagles won, though, 25-20. to 20. Any thoughts about that game? Yeah, I think it's starting. I think this 49ers team is still very good. I think they're dangerous, and I think if, they ha- if, the, if the 49ers are in front with a lead, it's really hard for them to lose that lead because they're really good at controlling the game, controlling the clock with that run game they have there. I mean, they have so many athletes on offense. Um, but I think, I think this is the same thing as last year. It didn't really get exposed, but I think their one weak point is the quarterback. And I, I, I don't think Jimmy G's a bad quarterback, which is why I don't think it's a necessarily weak, but I think it is the weakest part of their offense. And, and Jimmy G's fine, but once you get a guy like Nick Mullins in there, you know, C.J. Beathard, although he did play better than Mullins, uh, <laughs> I think that, that weakness kind of gets a little more exposed when they have to play behind for the ball more. And you saw it. I mean, Nick Mullins, just the, the two just devastating picks, the pick six being the most egregious one. Um, that, that pick six might have been the worst I've ever seen in my life. It was so Yeah, bad. that's something you can't do in the NFL, and they, they'll kill you for that. But I think I think that's the one weak spot. But, the, I mean, the offense, aside from that, I mean – Kittle, obviously, he looked great. The running game looked great. Um, and I think on the other side of the Eagles, this was a win I don't think a lot of people expected them to get, I mean, in San Francisco. But Carson Wentz, he looked good. He didn't look great. But he, he made the plays that he needed to do to win. He got that, that touchdown on their, one of their first drives where he ran the ball in. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that against a good, good defense mm-hmm. like the 49ers. And I think, you know, Wentz, I think he did enough. And I think the defense did enough against Nick Mullins. So I, I don't necessarily think this is a turning point for the Eagles because I think there's some things that the 49ers team has, still has to work on, one of them being quarterback with Nick Mullins being benched. So I think I, I think the 49ers um, will, will be better. I think they'll, they'll have a winning record at the end of the year, especially if Jimmy comes back. Um, but, you know, the Eagles, I think they, they saw some good things. And I think they, while they still have a lot of flaws, a lot of injuries – this was definitely a better one of the better games for Carson Wentz. And, I think, yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I, I really thought the Niners would win even with Nick Mullins, but then remembering Solomon Thomas is out, Nick Bosa's out. So you're yep. dealing with the injuries to the 49ers defense, which is still a pretty good defense, I believe. I mean, Fred Warner's a beast of a linebacker, so they should be okay. But yeah, I, I thought it was, a, it was a really good win for the Eagles, good win for Wentz. And he kind of needed this. He's been having a tough year, but he also has absolutely no receivers at this point from what he was supposed to have. But, yeah, moving on a little bit to Monday Night Football, the Chiefs beat the Camless Patriots, which I think we all kind of projected once Cam wasn't playing. Honestly, I thought Mahomes was kind of contained a little bit, no touchdowns in the first half. And I thought the, the Patriots' defense did better than I thought. I thought the game was honestly going to be a blowout. I thought it would be high scoring. But, yeah, well, what do you think about that Monday Night matchup real quick? Yeah, I think there's something – I don't know what it is. I think Mahomes is – just played maybe a couple of good defenses because against the Chargers again, he, he had a bad game, not a bad game, but you know, he, he certainly wasn't Mahomes like in either of those games. And, but again, he did, he did what he needed to do to win. I think beating the Patriots without Cam Newton's a lot easier, you know, uh, than with Cam Newton. So it wasn't necessarily the, the biggest challenge and Patriots quarterbacks combining for three picks certainly doesn't make it any easier for them to win. But, yeah, I think 
nothing to really be worried about. I think Patrick Mahomes will be fine. He did have a couple slow games here and there, but I think their offense will be fine as long as they stay healthy. Nothing really too much to worry about with them. I just, you know, I hope this stuff does kind of stuff doesn't happen later in the season because I, a matchup like Mahomes and Cam Newton, I mean, those are the matchups you come to see, mm-hmm. especially on that, that, that's the stuff that, that, that drives us to watch football. I mean, that that's two great players going at it. So I hope, I hope everybody stays healthy so we can get more of those matchups. Yep. And then the other Monday night football part two game, Packers beat the Falcons 30 to 16. Packers offense is unreal. Rodgers is without Devontae Adams, Lazard, and he's, he's still getting it done. They were throwing out three running backs at some point. They just looked fantastic. I think this Packers team is, even though we're talking about them, a lot and being a really good team. I think they're underrated still. I think they're going to be a really good contender coming out of the NFC. What, what are your thoughts about that game? And obviously Trevor is a Packer fan, but I know he's also not that biased when he talks about sports. So, I am extremely biased. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love my Packers. So I, th- seeing them 4-0 at the start of the season com- coming into their bye week, I'm, I couldn't be happier, uh, especially with the way they're winning these games. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, he's having a phenomenal year. He's an MVP candidate in my eyes, and I think a lot of the media's eyes. And I, my biggest takeaway was that they're able to work with all the, these different weapons after losing Adams and Lazard. I mean, Robert Tanyan having three touchdowns. I don't think anybody expected that. Guy had a great game. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, the running backs both showed out. The defense, you know, going against Matt Ryan, it's it's always going to be a fight. So only giving up six, 16 points, I wasn't too disappointed in that. But you know, when Julio Jones isn't on the field as much as he could have been, because he's obviously dealing with a hamstring injury. It's not going to be as hard as it would be with him out there. So, I, you know, it's holding Matt Ryan to 16 points. I was okay with that. But again, I think the thing that worries me about this Packers team, as it does with any other Packers team, is injuries and defense. <laughs> so as long as those two stay together, I think they got a good chance to win, win out uh, with a winning record and get a good run for that uh, Lombardi trophy. On the other side of the football, the Falcons, I think it's time to time to see how long it takes for Dan Quinn to get fired. I mean, as long as he keeps losing games, it's, it's not looking good for him. And, but I mean, it, it wasn't easy though. I mean, when you have as many injuries as they they've had and anyone who watched the broadcast knows that that's kind of all that was talked about on that game was just the Falcons back end. Their secondary was just decimated by injuries and they had a lot of people out there playing, playing snaps that weren't getting snaps before a lot of confusion. So uh, they they need to get healthy and they need some better coaching if they expect to win games. Let's continue, Trevor. I know you talked a little about this earlier. So yeah, head coach and general manager Bill O'Brien was fired after an 0-4 start. What what does this mean for the Texans? I'm surprised that this lasted this long. I think the Texans they're a confusing team to me because I feel like they do have some a lot of talent. I mean Deshaun Watson in the in the past, of course, they had Hopkins and they've had some good players, JJ Watt. Matthew was on the team for a little bit. They they have some really quality players and they've had some quality teams and they've had success under Bill O'Brien, but I think every year people have s- said the same thing about them. They can't seem to to get past that divisional round. They they get into the wild card, they beat beat up on some team, you know, in the on that that, that afternoon game that everybody's kind of sleepy during and it it people kind of forget it happens and then they get in divisional and then they end up, you know, not going any further. I think so it's, it's kind of surprising to me that they kept them there uh, as long as they did. But, I mean, they did have some success under under him, and it shouldn't be understated. They didn't really have a stable team while he was there. They had 10 different starting quarterbacks since 2014, which is when he was hired, the most in the NFL. 
but with those 10 quarterbacks, Bill O'Brien actually ends up with a winning record. He's, I think he's, they said 52 and 48 over his career. And he went nine and seven with Brock Osweiler, two and zero with Case Keenum, five and five with Brian Hoyer, six and six with Brian Fitzpatrick. I mean, those are all names that you don't expect quarter uh, coaches to have a lot of success with, even though I love guys like Fitzpatrick. I mean, those are all names you hear and you think back of quarterbacks. So go getting good records with those quarterbacks is kind of surprising and impressive. So I don't want to, uh, I'm not going to talk too much crap about Bill O'Brien, but again, he's made some questionable decisions that, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a guy who's been injured throughout his career and just a second round pick. I mean, Hopkins is arguably the best receiver in the NFL. You, know, you, you can make the argument. I can't imagine Watson being too happy when he saw that his, his number one target was leaving. And I, I do, yeah. I do think a big reason that Bill O'Brien did last this long, which <clears> I was also a little shocked about was that they beat the bills last year in the playoffs. I think that, that kind of gave him a little bit more breathing room to work. But then this offseason, I had no idea what he was doing. But, yeah, continue. Yeah. And, I, again, I going back to uh, especially when they gave Bill O'Brien that, that GM power. He wasn't considered GM, but he had that personnel power. Like he's trading Hopkins. He traded two firsts and a second for the Miami players, Tunsil and Stills. He, I mean, they trade Clowney to Seattle. I mean, th- these are – talented players and good picks that they're getting rid of and now they're 0-4 their first round picks are in Miami they don't have Hopkins they have a running back who has trouble staying healthy and a talented quarterback but they're 0-4 and it's it's time to make that change and you know I think like you said losing that winning that game against the Bills gave him that extra time but you know that that Chiefs game I think leading 24 to 0 and then giving up 51 points I mean, it's unacceptable. I know it's Patrick Mahomes, but you just you expect more. And being up twenty-four to zero in that position, that that that's on coaching at some point. And if they win that game, I think Bill O'Brien's still around this year. But you know, at, at some point, enough is enough. And if you can't get past that divisional round, no matter what your situation is, it's it's clear that team's not on your side, and you got to go as a head coach. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And other head coaches, you, you think you thought Adam Gase was going to be the first one fired this year. I, I'm surprised also that Dan Quinn still has a job. Him choking away two games this year, his Super Bowl thing a couple years ago. So, yeah, what do you think about those other coaches? How Do you think this might happen soon for them as well? Yeah, I, I think Adam Gase is a guy you got to watch. They might I, – I imagine they're going to fire him at some point this season. I just don't see this Jets team beating – really anyone they they have one of the worst rosters in the nfl sam darnold is now hurt and he's out so we're actually gonna get some flack of football this coming week but yeah i think adam gase is the guy you gotta watch for the next fire firing you know you don't you don't want wish anyone bad in their job but you just look at the performance and the jets are not performing and uh, like you said dan quinn i think one of the reasons he still has a job is how well the falcons finished last year and i think I don't know what is wrong with this Falcons team. I mean, certainly their defense is, has a lot of issues, but the Falcons clearly are able to play some good offense. I mean, dropping what, 40 points on the Cowboys almost. They played well against a good, a, a decent Bears defense, I would say. I mean, putting, what was it, 30 points or 26 points? I mean, it's, that's not easy. Uh, you know, I, I think their offense is still good with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley throwing the ball around like that. Falcons clearly have some problems that go beyond just the talent on the team. And I think that starts with coaching. And I think Dan Quinn cannot be their head coach if the Falcons want to win. So he's another guy you got to watch out for being fired this year. All right. And then 
other than the games and stuff like that, some COVID news in football. Stephen Gilmore tested positive today. Two more Titan players have also tested positive today. So now the Titans have 20-plus positive tests in the past nine days. Not a good thing for them or the NFL. And then Goodell sent a memo out this week that protocol violations that lead to virus spread could result in significant discipline, including the forfeiture of draft picks or and even games. So if this keeps going for the Titans, they might have to start forfeiting games, which would be really tough for them because they're a team that's projected to be pretty good this year. So, yeah, I, I'm just kind of shocked at that. I know also with the Raiders, uh, they, they were seen breaking violations and not having masks on at a charity event that Josh and I talked about last week. Some of the players that were fine were Derek Carr, Darren Waller, and others. So, obviously, it's like leaders of the team. It's not just 10 random guys on the practice squad. So, if, if that's what your, your leaders are doing, I'm a little concerned that it's sending a bad message to the rest of the team. What are your guys' thoughts, both of you, on just COVID around the NFL right now? I do not think they're going to finish the season. I just don't think football – I think I've talked about this last week. I don't think football is conducive to a pandemic when it's like very much a context for it. You don't have an option. And they chose not to go to the bubble route. I don't think you even could do bubble route with football, the way the fields get fucked up during games. So I don't think they finish it. That's just my opinion. Take it for what you will. I, I think Josh has a point there. I mean, if you have more cases – like what's happening with the Titans, if this starts to happen with a lot of other teams, you're putting too many people at risk and they might end up having to cancel the season. And I hope this doesn't happen. I hope, I pray, because I love football. I, I, America loves football. America needs football. <laughs> um, it's, it's, my, it's my favorite sport. My, my pastime on the weekends, it's, it's, it's something that, that depresses me and excites me and makes me feel all sorts of feelings. It's something that I, I mean, it's I, I need football. I want football, and I just I hope that this, the, these uh, protocols that the NFLs are putting in place prevents you know stuff like the Titans getting so many positive uh, tests in the future. And I I really hope in general the tests go to zero because again, even if one or two tests here and there, we're missing out on players like uh, great players like Stephon Gilmore. You said he's a guy who's great to watch. Cam Newton. I mean, that's a huge loss for the Patriots and. Missing out on those matchups is is just it's it's criminal to a football fan. I mean that's the kind of stuff you sign up to watch for. So uh, I hope that these procedures and uh, standards they're putting into place lower help lower cases. But I am worried for the future of football. But I think in the next couple of weekends we'll see how these teams respond and uh, if players are a little more strict about following quarantine procedures, you know, following COVID procedures. Hopefully positive cases go down and we don't have to talk about canceling football, but we'll see. We'll see what, what, what the response is from the, from the league and from the players. All right. Well, that's all I have for football. Do you guys have any final words, comments about the NFL this season? I, I got to say, I mean, th- this football season, whether you're a Jets fan or whether you're a <laughs> Chiefs fan, I mean, no matter what, we've, we've all seen some great football, and I, I hope it continues, and I hope it's, – it's been weird this season without uh, a lot of fans in a lot of places, but uh, I've been really happy to see them back. And like I said, I really want to see them continue to keep going. Love watching football every Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and even that weird Saturday, Saturday later in the year. So uh, just even if you're a Jazz fan, I know you're still out there watching football, loving the game. I mean, this is America's, America's pastime, and yeah, I don't know about that one. Watch your tongue. This is this is my pastime and many other people's. <laughs> America's pastime is another sport, which is also a, 
uh, going on right now, doing doing very well, better than uh, football with the whole uh, COVID testing. So, again, just hope hope this football keep going on through these weird times. But that's my my concluding thoughts. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Trevor, and thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, Josh and I will wrap up with hockey, and then we'll finish up the podcast. But yeah, thanks again, Trevor. Our honorary yes. first guest, Trevor. <laughs> We'd love to have you on again sometime. I'm very thankful because, you know, I, God knows I can't talk about football like you do. So, uh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, you guys know every Sunday I'm sitting on my couch watching the whole slate of games. And I love watching football. love talking football. It's, it, it's, it, it, really, it really means a lot to me and to a lot of people, you know, even to people who don't like football. I mean, people, people know about it. People watch it. People love it. People hate it. It's <laughs> It's great. It's great for America. And American thanks, right. thanks, guys, for having me. A&F. All right, see you, Trevor. A&F. Yeah, see you guys. Thank right, you, Trevor. guys. Bye. So Josh and I are going to wrap it up with hockey. Uh, NHL draft was last night. Alexis Lafreniere went number one. I think I botched that name. Apologies to him. If Probably he's did. Listening. It's okay. That's okay. I, I, hope I don't I, think he's listening. I hope he is, but I doubt he is. So uh, <laughs> apologies to him. <laughs> he went number one to the New York Rangers. I think they're going to be a really dangerous team, honestly, with him. We talked about the NBA, how right now the draft number one spot is, like, wide open. It can be anyone. With hockey, I think we've known that he's been going number one for a while now. So, good for him. And I think this Rangers with Panarin and uh, other weapons could be a really dangerous team with addition. He had 112 points in 53 games last year. and then a lot of points. I thought you were going to say, is that good? Um, (laughs) dang so yeah so that's he's averaging more than two points a game which is just fantastic other note from the draft uh byfield number two draft pick was the highest uh drafted black player in nhl history i just thought that was a cool fact a good thing to see in the sport only one spot higher can be the highest ever so yeah um and then other cool note nhl start date is hopefully going to be january 1st commissioner gary bettman prior to the draft kind of hinted and stated that he's hoping a potential January 1st start date, which I think would be great. And it's weird starting that late anyways, but I mean, with, with the pandemic and everything happening, I think it's understandable and we'll just have to see what happens there. Any comments on hockey? That's all I got for that. Yeah. Uh, to the, the Blackhawks draft yet? Yeah. Yeah. They drafted 17th. They drafted mm-hmm. Lucas Rochelle. Lucas Rochelle. Nice. Nice. You get to know that name, people. It'll be big. Yeah, 17 pick overall. 18-year-old player. He scored 12 goals, 12 assists for 24 points in 42 games. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's young. I mean, they all usually are about 18 anyway. So, yeah, yeah he'll be an exciting right. addition. We'll have to see what happens there. Yeah. Other sports news that I thought was interesting that I just wanted to share, you might know this already, but today is this day in history in 1916. Georgia Tech beat Cumberland College 222-0. to It's just absurd blowout in history that I wanted to share and was looking up sports news to maybe add to the podcast day. Saw that fact and just thought that was crazy. What, what are your thoughts about hockey or that or anything? A lot of, a lot of points. True. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Is there anything else you, you have to say? Or, uh, nope. I, I, nope. I'm all good. Yeah, I'm all good. This is a long episode, so apologies for that. We had a lot of football to talk about, a lot of baseball to talk about. So I uh, hope, you, hope you guys enjoy it. And, yeah, and honestly, I really enjoyed having Trevor on. So if he's listening right now, I just want to say thanks for coming, talking with Josh and I. And, yeah, I'm excited to see baseball coming up, see what happened with this postseason, see if the Lakers close it out soon. So, yeah, 
thanks for listening and have a good one everyone please uh please remember to uh subscribe and leave a review it makes it makes it easier to find the podcast so we can grow a little bit appreciate it catch you guys next week